Before we go into our final class episode, I'm going to ask you guys to reflect on what we've learned so far about the game and about classes and how your opinions have changed. Huh. Interesting. I don't know if my opinions have changed so much as I've become more knowledgeable um, in the gamey aspect of the game because I'm just kind of standoffish when it comes to the, the crunchy game mechanics and I let my players kind of do all that stuff themselves. So this has really given me a knowledge of, you know, having to research and and know every little subclass and everything um, and talking over it with you guys has really helped me kind of um, dig into the, the crunchiness of the classes and learn to respect kind of that way of playing um, and still have that flavor. It's all about the flavor. It's all, it's all about the flavor. Ooh, I think for me... It's definitely given me a lot more ideas and more inspiration to play other classes that I might not play in my most mm -hmm. recent game that I'm playing. And I'm playing a fighter, which normally I probably wouldn't do, but I'm doing it and it's fun and it's good. I think um, I think uh, you could ask Will how I'm doing, but I think I'm doing pretty good for myself. <laughs> so the way that I have changed, I think, after doing these class episodes. is It's made me appreciate the fine-tuned underlying structure of 5e in a way that I didn't before. You know me, and you know I like to hack games willy-nilly. I really do put the willy in willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seeing that they've really thought about these classes, except for the ranger, has... Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, except it's just, for the what? The ranger. Oh. It's made me appreciate the game. And make it, it's made me less likely to just hack it apart without really experiencing it it's also made me want to play fifth edition as a player and, and not just as a dungeon master yeah so um if you're looking for a player and you're not terrible as a gm um i'll play with you no you won't <laughs> you don't have the time to <laughs> yeah um uh, speaking of not having time let's uh hurry up and wrap up this episode because i gotta go wait what <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> And that's all, folks. See you next week. <laughs> Cut it there. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 34, The Warlock, the final episode in our class discussion series. Oh, oh, I'm boy. excited. We made I it, everyone. We saved yeah, the I, best for last. I really agree. I, I'm very excited. This is perhaps my favorite class in, in 5e. Dang. I feel like this is going to be the class that we all enjoy the most, so we will say nothing bad about it. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think we were close to that with the Paladin. Mm, that's we had true. A lot of good things, but, the, and that is also my second favorite class. The Paladin's so. like the inverse of the Warlock. Kind of, and, and so the same for the same reason that I love the paladin, I love the warlock because there is this inherent DM player interaction baked into the class. Oh, um, like the crux of the warlock is uh, their their not their oath like the paladin, but their pact the 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 fine print that they signed with some powerful entity that that has some sway over their actions. I think that aspect is so fascinating and there's so much drama to be mined from that relationship between a warlock and their patron. 
It's true. Mm-hmm. They're kind of similar in that regard. Um, I, I missed that, actually. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to give patron, I almost said Patreon, to give patron-like uh, connections to all the classes. Oh, yeah. I do that. I definitely think I do that. Um, and that, that's one thing that really surprised me when we talked about the cleric and the paladin is because um, when it talks about like an oath, like an oath isn't really a, I don't Patron. know, it's kind of a vague term. Um, same thing with the cleric's domain. It's kind of a vague thing. But I tend to treat clerics, um, paladins, and even sometimes monks um, as if they had a patron. Like as if their religion or their their god that they worship is their patron and does have like a big say on their lives. And there there is like this um, this interaction and this drama between the dungeon master and the player. Mm-hmm. So I think from the warlocks' um, very personal relationship, sometimes um, nature of them and their deity or them and the, the person they made a deal with. I've applied that to a lot of other classes because. My type of game, I want that that drama and those, those cool role playing moments, and and rightfully so. It it just adds so much to the game. So mm. let's talk about the warlock. So um, I'll ask David because David is the one who I think has played the warlock the most. What is the warlock? Uh, are we talking about five E or are we just talking about in general? In general, in general, a warlock is someone who has made a pact with an greater deity or fiend or some sort of creature to get power and to to have abilities that they wouldn't normally have they've used their charisma to uh, make a bargain with someone who they probably wouldn't want to normally deal with Mm -hmm. so what i'm hearing is that the the cleric like if we're talking about spellcasters Uh uh-huh to get powers, the cleric will pray for it, the bard will play for it, and the warlock will slay for it. <laughs> In some situations, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think we've arrived. Yes. Oftentimes, uh, the warlock's power comes from spells and abilities that they are bestowed upon by their patron, but... Oftentimes, it comes at a cost of having to serve the patron in its nefarious ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an exchange or an agreement, a bargain, mm-hmm. if you will, um, that I personally have always wanted to lean more into because mm-hmm. it seems like you can pretty safely just say, "Well, I'm a warlock, um, and I'm one of these four or five people in the party," and there's not enough time or room in the game to really emphasize the uh, the ramifications of this relationship. Yeah. Yes. No, I totally agree. Leaning into it and making I oftentimes will bestow even more things than what the class entails. Like like be like I will give you the direction or I will show you where a magic item is hidden or um even I will give you a magic item. Just give them even more stuff to make them sign more packs, right? Like they're almost mm-hmm. um getting deeper into the fine print and they're like, you know, signing their life away for even yeah, at an even worse exchange rate. <laughs> um, I really like the um, kind of the devil on the shoulder type of thing um, where that, that patron is always whispering in your ear. Um, sometimes they might say something like um, you're in town and there's like um, a, uh, we'll just say like a dog, like th- that's just like next to the tavern and the patron, the little devil in your ear just says, kill that dog. 
and I will reward you an extra spell slot. And it's like, whoa. Like, it suddenly makes, um, Hmm. it adds a lot of just, like, random tension that I think can be really fun. Um, And a lot of times warlocks can fall into the chaotic neutral zone where um, the other players get upset because they're kind of just constantly listening to the devil on their shoulder. Hmm. Um, But I think it is up to the dungeon master to play the patron in a way that um, makes their actions dramatic, but still cohesive with the party. That's really fun. Um, I like the idea of having this ongoing relationship of just tempting them into doing things. Um, So here's an idea I just had, and that would be to have a, uh, a random table or two for the warlock and you have the minor temptations and major temptations oh and so they walk into town and it just says like ask them to kill something or destroy something or hurt somebody or threaten somebody uh and then you would have some reward you tell them like oh, i'll give you a spell slot today or i'll give you something and uh-huh. this way um it takes the, the burden off the gm but con- constantly makes the warlock decide um mm-hmm. whether or not to make these terrible decisions yeah oh yes that yeah that's so interesting I also love um, certain abilities in the Warlocks subclass can grant them a familiar, and their familiars oh, yeah. can be of um, special types. So you can literally have an imp uh, <laughs> familiar. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. and who's like, you're, let's say you're, you're a fiend warlock patron. So you have an imp that's, you know, serving on their behalf and just telling you like, hey, the master wants you to do this. <laughs> master wouldn't like that. Yeah. And you have you have this uh, you have the this dimension to uh, the class that most other classes don't have in terms of interacting and uh, getting their powers on, you know, a condition yeah. as long as you're following, you know, the what the warlock patron wants then you have your powers. But if you don't, then... Maybe they take away your powers for the day. Yeah. You just got yeah. no spells for a whole day. It's like, oh, you yeah. didn't burn that church down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm telling master. <laughs> and in the middle of combat, your just spells just stop working. Oh, oh man. That'd be fun. So, um, I, I really, from like, uh, you know me, guys. I, I got to talk about the historical perspective a little bit. Mm. I think warlocks, um, not in 5e, just in general are kind of the spellcasters um, that are talked about in history because most of the time there are major religions um, that serve pantheons or, or big god that um, or the devil that will bestow these powers upon people. And there's always this pact and there there's this exchange when you look at uh, witches, um, like Salem witch trials, like they were all accused of, you know, making a deal with the devil. And like um, all of those those aspects come out in history when you you see there isn't really much aside from mythology um but like in history of people being accused of being a sorcerer or a wizard or like some powerful spellcaster inherently (laughs) but there is a lot um in history of people claiming they got powers bestowed to them from deities and stuff like that yeah all of the magic um in history or, or let me say claimed so-called magic um is often it comes from like a an otherworldly like deal with the devil or something like that um so so this whole kind of warlock um patron uh like witch relationship is is pretty common throughout history um Mm. and i like the kind of 
lean into that deal with the devil sort of thing. Yeah, you're right. I think it is more um, certainly historical because I don't know if there's a historical precedent for like somebody finding a spell book and then being able to cast spells. It's always Mm -hmm. been like, oh, I found this tome that allows me to commune with spirits and the spirits taught me what to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the same goes for monks or for sorcerers who were just born with it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're right. The uh, the warlock has... (laughs) To put it uh, sort of in the satanic panic terms, the warlock is the D&D class that your parents warned you about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, so that was some of the, the history or the historical basis um, of the warlock. But let's dig into, Will, I think you have the history of the class itself in D&D. Yeah, there's not much to say. Um, this is just a few Google searches uh, this morning. But um, so... Warlock class came out in 3.5 edition D&D in a supplement called Complete Arcane, which was released in 2004, um, which to me seems pretty recent, but like a lot has happened since 2004. So uh, uh, in that book, I also learned that there was three classes, one of which was the Warlock and the other two were the War Mage. Uh, what's the name of the the 5e ma- wizard that has... The War Wizard? Yeah, I guess it's yeah. War Magic. Yeah, so yeah. the War Mage is the, is the War Magic. And then a class called the Wu Jin, uh, which is a elemental, oriental-themed oh, um, caster. But like a shaman almost? Uh, it sounds kind of like the monk to me, but like the, the elemental, the way of the elemental fist or whatever. Um, but they, you, they use the five traditional Chinese elements of fire, water, earth, metal, and wood. Huh. Weird. Very That's really cool. Than, uh, That's than really cool. Avatar Wood type. bending. That's <laughs> cool. Wait, um, so is the Warlock the newest class or I, the most recent? I think it might be because that's 2004. Um, the newest class before that would probably be Sorcerer, which I think came out uh, in 3.5 as well. Um, there are some classes in 4th edition that have not yet made it into 5th. One of those is the Warlord that a lot of people are a big fan of, but yeah, so it'd be Warlock. So yeah, in terms of 5e classes that exist, the Warlock is one of the newest additions from D&D in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from listening to the Wizards of the Coast um, developers and stuff, the higher-ups in 5e, they all seem to be very fond of the Warlock. Um, oh. I know Mike Merles especially uh, has said it's one of his favorite um, classes, and he loves designing subclasses for it. Because you could basically just think of what could be this new patron and what could that offer um, in the form of spells or abilities. Um, and he said it's it's one of his favorites. Hmm, making up new patrons. Maybe that's something we <clears throat> should try. Oh, oh. yes. Uh... Let's move into random table talk. We're going to look at the random tables from Xenothar's Guide to Everything in the section for the Warlock. But before we do that, I want to read the quote from the Xanathar. That is the header of this section. Oh, no. He says, quote, So, you got your powers by making a contract with something? Is it in writing, perchance? Well, never mind. Just tell me this. Can I get your powers by eating you? That was... um, Buddy. (laughs) It's like something you would read written by a 13-year-old on (laughs) fanfiction.net. In fact, I have wrote that, and I am 13 years old. <laughs> Wait a minute. They just stole this from my writing. Oh, no. <laughs> they stole this from my, my diary. Oh, my, my the sacred text. Xanathar diary. Oh, Ooh, okay. Oh. So the first thing we're going to get is the patron's attitude. Uh, it says, every relationship is a two-way street. 
but in the case of warlocks and their patrons, it isn't necessarily true that both sides of the street are the same width or made of the same stuff. So, hmm. Jake, roll a d6 for our attitude. Oh, no. Looks like Jake has lost his dice. Uh, so, that is uh, two. A two says, each interaction with your capricious patron is a surprise, whether pleasant or painful. <laughs> so, interesting. This makes me think that the patron is somewhat bipolar and unpredict- unpredictable. Um, and it makes, like, I don't know if it's like a cell phone ringing or some communication is, like, incoming. But you're, like, nervous to talk to them every time. Oh, no, I really like the idea of it happening at opportune moments, too. Um, I think a lot of D&D and being a good dungeon master is just managing timing and when Mm -hmm. to reveal things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, imagine you're like talking to the biggest crime lord of the big city. And then all of a sudden it's like, and it's like, sorry, I I really have to take this. (laughs) Like, uh, I really like that kind of surprise aspect. (laughs) It's like, not now. And your imp says, you really need to answer it. He's he really needs to talk to you. He's really angry. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> we're all just from Brooklyn. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> You're I, done. I I hope that the people from Brooklyn appreciate that we just said that imps are from Brooklyn. Oh, oh yeah, I'd like that. That's yeah. canon in my world. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next, we have the special terms of the pact. It says. A pact can range from a loose agreement to a formal contract with lengthy, detailed clauses and lists of requirements. So let's roll another d6. All right, boys. Okay, that is a three. Your special term is, at least once a day, you must inscribe or carve your patron's name or symbol on the wall of a building. Oh, that's (laughs) so cool. Yes. One of of my uh, warlocks had that, and it was hilarious. Like, just, like, he'd include it, like, at the end of the scene. Like, they would um, beat up some thug at the bar, and, like, it'd be, like, a cutaway gag of him, like, taking off his shirt later, and it's, like, carved into his back. (laughs) Oh, that's Petty good. vandalism. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that one. Uh, the next is the binding mark. It says some patrons make a habit of and often enjoy making marking the warlocks under their sway in some fashion. Another D6 for our final binding mark. That is a six. Your nose glows in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre <laughs> what i mean it's thematic because it's around christmas time but, oh but rudolph still. your nose so bright he's actually patron Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm i'm taking that idea jake what oh, powers man. would santa give as a patron oh you'd be giving oh. gifts so you're bestowing things to people okay um you can fly <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you can travel extremely fast, but only on a certain time of the year, a certain day. Yep. Okay. You can eat any uh, food or drink that is unhealthy, and you'll only gain a mild amount of weight. Yep. Mild. Your, uh, your appearance is unchanging, and you're immortal. <laughs> Whoa, this is weird. <laughs> uh, you are destroyed when anyone says happy holidays. Oh. <laughs> <So> Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, you have a, um immortal cast of a certain type of animal that... L- have the same blessings as you. Like the reindeer oh, yes. have been around as long as Santa. So. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, what a great... It, feel free to steal that, anyone. <laughs> anyone. Take it. Um, yeah. 
so okay what are the other options just just read the last um all of in the last section okay so the binding marks um one of your eyes looks the same as one of your patron's eyes each time you wake up the small blemish on your face appears in a different place Ooh, that's odd you display outward symptoms of a disease but suffer no ill effects from it that's a tough one your tongue is an unnatural color you have a vestigial tail and then, of course, your nose glows in the dark. I kind of like, yeah, all of those are really fun. I love just adding little bits of, like, people see you on the streets and they're like, something's off about this guy, right? <laughs> I like, trust this imagine guy. Imagine someone that looks like they're, like, they are in the worst part of having a flu. Oh, or they look like they the have time. the bubonic plague and they're just <laughs> gross. Yeah, like their eyes are sunken in and there's bags under them and they just look ill all the time. But they're fine. Well, I like the one eye thing because let's say your patron was a beholder, and so one of your eyes is dramatically bigger and has no <laughs> no eyelid. Oh my no, god! No, no, no! You have just a singular eye stalk instead of like oh. a right eye. Oh, that's awful! This that's is gross. awesome. <laughs> oh, oh. all right. Let's move into the core features of the warlock, and there are. So I must say that Warlock is just a terrific class. Even if you had only the core features, it would already be great. But having um, your different patrons makes them just icing on the cake. Yeah. In fact, the whole cake is icing at this point. <laughs> All right. Core features, you gain access to packed magic, and this is how you get your spells. Um, it's, a, it's a different spell list, right? It's um... Yeah. So the way the warlock spells work is a little bit different than the rest of the spellcasting classes in 5e. The warlock, they, they start out with a very limited number of spell slots. They get like one or two spell slots. Mm-hmm. And that's all they get for basically the whole, you know, all the way up to 20. I think they get maybe three. Really? Yes. If you look at the number of spell slots. Oh my gosh, it's... But even at level um, 10, you have two spell slots, which yeah. is crazy. But all of your spell slots regenerate on a short rest. Mm. So every short rest in combat, you're getting all of your features back, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all, the Warlock also gets a lot of other features and, from their patrons. And they have so one of the... No, they have the best cantrip in the game, which is Eldritch Blast, because it scales so well, and they have Eldritch Invocations, which modify how the spell works and make it Mm -hmm. even stronger. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Eldritch Blast is what you're going to be using a lot as a warlock um and i've I've heard a lot of complaints about this they say oh warlocks are just eldritch blasters like all they do is just eldritch blast eldritch cantrip just keep blasting because it is you know it makes the most sense it does the most damage it has the best effects that sort of thing Um, and it is a real big part of your class um but one thing i would encourage um is changing just the flavor of what the eldritch blast is right like if you are um you can make it you could be really creative, right? You could be make it like a tentacle shooting out of your arm and just knocking someone back. Um, you could even make it like a deck of cards and each Eldritch Blast is you just like throwing a playing card. Um, like think of ways to flavor um, the Eldritch Blast to fit the patron um, and it makes it a little less boring. 
Um, mm. And it makes it feel like you're kind of doing something different or something unique as opposed to just like kind of pressing a button each each turn. That's cool. I would also note that uh, in addition to your very limited number of spell slots, they have what's called a slot level. And so all of your spell slots are of a certain level as you level up. So at first and second level, they're first. And then once you're like even level 10, all of your slots are fifth level. And that's where they stay until um, the end. Of yeah, the they end. always cast it at max level. I really yeah, like that. Which is super which fun. Is, yeah. Super fun. Because mm-hmm. even though you have a smaller list and a smaller casting capacity, um, you're doing things like uh, Eldritch Blast or um, even Witch Bolt, which scales. And Witch Bolt mm-hmm. isn't great, but it's the first thing that I saw on the screen. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's unique. As far as spellcasting goes, this is very unique. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that is your Pact Magic. Next, you get Eldritch Invocations. And um, these, you start off with none, uh, but eventually you'll have eight of them. And so there's a lot of them. Um, I'll be honest, I had never looked at these before because I didn't understand the Warlock before. I was too busy reading how to run D&D. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and even then, changing D&D to do what I wanted. So, um, for example, one of the ones you get is called Agonizing Blast. And it says, whenever you cast Eldritch Blast, you add your Charisma modifier to the damage it deals on a hit. Mm-hmm. And the way Eldritch Blast works is, as it scales with your level it deals multiple beams of damage. So every single beam is you're going to be adding your charisma modifier to each one of those beams, which is why it's so good because that with agonizing blast makes it so strong. So -hmm. when you're, when you're dealing, when you, even though you have to roll to hit each one of your Eldritch blast beams, you're still, you know, doing um, that plus your charisma modifier, which is five. So like on average, you're going to be dealing 10 damage a hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you do that three times in you know one eldritch blast, you're getting that's like thirty damage. <laughs> that's great, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they also have other abilities that uh, are kind of different. So you can you get like armor of the shadows, which allows you to cast mage armor at will, which means you can cast it as many times a day, whenever you want. Well, it lasts for a whole day, but you just really no no no. You can cast it. it at will, as you can keep recasting it over and over again. Mm-hmm. You also get, um, there's another one that allows you to cast Disguise Self at will. So you can constantly oh, be yeah, changing that's really your appearance, good. which is amazing. Um, there's Devil's Sight, which allows you to see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical. Yeah, that's really good which too. Which is amazing. Um, there's ones that let you cast Detect Magic at will. Um, and then they all just do crazy things and really can take your warlock character in many different directions. I thought you were going to say take your breath away. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. It's called the Grasp of Hadar. Um, it says, once per turn, when you hit an enemy with your Eldritch Blast, you move that creature in a straight line 10 feet closer to you. So you're just hitting them, and they're being yanked so It's like a tentacle, like, wrapping around them and, like, pulling them closer right. to you when you hit. So oh. let's say you're, you've got some, uh, your allies have set up a big AoE trap, like, a damaging effect. You can just... Yank them through it and wrench them up to your melee fighters. This is great stuff. Oh, so, yeah. And there's a bunch. There's, um, I would say, around 30 or 40 of these Eldritch um, invocations. And you get to choose. And some of them have prerequisites. But you'll see that when you read through the, the class description. Mm-hmm. Next is the Pact Boons. David, tell me about these. There's three of them. So the Pact Boon is... Um, uh, the way I view it is... Uh, as you have made your uh, deal with the devil, 
um, you have a signature of that deal that you carry upon you. So, and that takes the form of three different things. One of them is either a pact of the blade, which means they've given you some sort of weapon that signifies your deal that you've made with your patron. Mm. And it gets certain bonuses. It counts as magical for the purpose of overcoming, you know, non-magical damage. You can also summon it um, from like an extra dimensional space. And then you can make weapons into your Pact of the Blade weapon by performing a ritual. Hmm. Uh, the One of the other ones is called Pact of the Chain, which is a familiar that your patron bestows upon you. Um, it can also take special forms. So it can um, it can be an imp. It can be a pseudo dragon. Oh, that's a cool. Wazit, or it can be a sprite. Wait, would you a wazit? Wazit. What are what what are those again? Uh, it's a tiny fiend demon shape changer. It looks kind of like a um. Uh, well, you know, you'd have to just look at it. <laughs> yes. And then there's the pseudo dragon, which is really it's a really cool one. It's like a mini. It's a tiny dragon essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's super fun. Yeah. Which is super fun and flavorful. Mm-hmm. And uh, a sprite, which is like a little fey spirit. I would only and choose that if it came in diet sprite. Oh, <sighs> God. <laughs> I, I'm good. Uh, so, um, and your, so your pack to the chain gets special features when you, when you um, choose it. When you choose it. And then there's pack to the tome, which is, uh, it gives you a, a guimrar or a, uh, other words known as a book of shadows so it allows you to get three cantrips from any class's spell list wow mm-hmm. and then while the book is on your person you can cast those cantrips at will um, and they this don't really count cool. against the number of cantrips that you know and they mm-hmm. don't need to be from the warlock spell so, list so what are some spell cantrips you would choose for your warlock Ooh, um it really depends upon uh what i need like uh anything uh, some of the mage hand is a good one. Prestidigitation is a good one. Minor illusion is a good one. There, are, there are a lot of friends is a good one. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that you need to know is that certain invocations only work with certain pack magics. Okay. So pack to the blade will have special invocations. So it will make your pack weapon better. It will give it like pl- it will make it a plus one weapon, or it will say like you can use range weapons instead. Wow. Um, Pact of the Chain will allow you certain spells, and then Pact of the Tome will allow you to, uh, one of the invocations that's really cool is it'll allow you to add any ritual to your tome, and you get rituals at level one. You can start casting ritual spells, Wow! which if you don't know what a ritual spell is, it allows you to cast a spell without burning a spell slot. Mm -hmm. As a ritual, it takes longer. But you get the same spell effect. Yep. So you can start casting some really interesting spells as rituals. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is that when we did our Patreon-exclusive Pathfinder 2 playtest uh, review, there's a lot of feat features and class and race and, and all these different decisions you have to make when you're making your character. And it seems like the Warlock is edging into that territory a little bit because you're choosing your patron, you're choosing your um, packed boon, and then your eldritch invocation. And they all kind of play off each other because you can't choose certain things without choosing some other prerequisite. Yeah, I I think, um, yeah, it is tough because warlocks are 
they require a certain a certain knowledge about the game mm-hmm. um but then they don't make many choices inside of combat right like like the, like they do but they're nothing compared to like the utility of a wizard yeah um so so i i would prefer that right like making a lot of choices as you're making the character but what really turns me off is is analysis paralysis when people are making too many choices like in the game you know i see yeah, but that all that to say is that I don't I don't feel the same way as I did looking at that playtest where it's just these feet chains that go on forever. But this one is just sort of like I have an idea for my character, and I I'll take this, this, it, and this. Yeah, I know that this path makes the most sense thematically. Yeah, mm-hmm. the same um, the same increase for, uh, for level six, seven, and eight, and that is called Mystic Arcanum, which was a uh, potential name for this podcast. <laughs> um all Wait, the, really no no oh. it's not um anyway it says you gain a um sixth level spell and then later a seventh and an eighth level spell and you can cast it once a day without using a slot so even though they technically don't have very many spell slots this feature gives them more so that's pretty powerful yes so you get you get one spell of the eighth level and it's casted at that Six, you know seven, level eight. one spell of the sixth level one spell of the seventh level one level of the ninth level as you level up which is really nice. Yeah, really good. And and between this and choosing your cantrips from other classes, and then this one where you're just, I want to always have the eighth level spell. Um, actually, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'm gonna have. Uh, here we go. Let me get Jake. Wait, Jake. Wait. Oh, oh sorry. I'm gonna get tsunami, and I can always now cast <laughs> tsunami on people. <laughs> what does tsunami do? Spell, Read though. tsunami. It, it's probably not a warlock spell. Just um, read it. Okay, okay. Tsunami, 8th level spell. It lasts for 6 rounds. It takes 1 minute to cast. A wall of water springs into existence at a point you choose within range. You can make the wall up to 300 feet long, 300 feet high, and 50 feet thick. Dang. Um, That's cool. When the wall appears, each creature in its area must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, they take 60, 10 bludgeoning, or half, save for half. And then, of course, it moves. Yeah, so that's... Uh, that's just one idea. And then the last thing they get as part of their core is Eldritch Master. So now uh, they used to have to do a short rest, which I believe is 30 minutes. Well, now um, they only have to rest for one minute to regain all spell slots. Oh, that, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's super good. Hmm. Man. Warlock's OP. All right. We're going to move into our otherworldly patrons, which is the terminology they use for subclasses for the Warlock. We're going to start, uh, since we've talked a lot about summoning demons and deals with the devil, we're going to start with the fiend. Uh, ah, yes. Mm. Uh, so uh, basically this is you making an agreement with some scary demon lord, such as Orcus, uh, Asmodeus, or um, fans of Stranger Things would know the Demogorgon. Every uh, every pact that you choose is going to give you access to certain spells, so the, uh, as you imagine, deal with the devil spells are sort of more spooky. Um, stuff like burning hands, stinking Well, because you're de- making deals with the devil, you're going to be dealing more with the pits of hell. Which mm-hmm. be fire, fire damage, yeah. yeah. Yes. So they're, well, because I would say like blindness and deafness is kind of spooky, right? You just strike someone blind. But you also get burning hands, scorching ray, fireball, fire shield, wall of yeah. fire. Pretty fiendish, fiendish yeah. spell. Fiendish. It's, it's, it's thematic. It tastes good. David, smack your lips. Yep. Oof. Oof. <laughs> um, all right. So you get Dark One's Blessing. Um, basically, if you kill something, then you gain t- temporary hit points um, based on your 
charisma modifier in your warlock level. So it's like I kill you and I suck your your life a little bit. Suck suck. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get um, dark one's own luck. Once per short rest, you add a d10 to an ability check or saving throw. So it's kind of like, um, what's that spell that lets you like like the lucky feat, right? Like you can re-roll if you want, but instead of re-rolling, you're just gonna roll a d10 and add it to your check mm-hmm. once per. Uh, short yeah rest. fiendish resilience lets you resist one damage type after a short rest so you just choose like today i'm going to resist fire damage mm-hmm. or uh, and, or maybe we changed scenes and now we're going into the mountains of ice i resist frost damage mm-hmm. and then my favorite warlock ability in the game <laughs> hurl through hell yes so, so uh when you hit level 14 you can use this feature all right so you essentially get a creature you grab them and you throw them through the planes of hell, <laughs> and they 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 just fly through. I imagine thematically as just your patron, like a hand reaches out from a portal and just grabs them and just pulls them through hell. It's like and a they take, it's, <laughs> and they it's take like a, a massive move. From, yeah, uh, from like Mortal Kombat or yes, something. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, and they take a ton of damage, and uh, eventually they come back. But it's just it's a terrifying. <laughs> move they take 10 d 10 to psychic damage so psychic damage is not necessarily physical so like they weren't harmed no necessarily but like their psyche is damaged forever now i mean you're being hurled through hell <laughs> like i would be damaged <laughs> if that happened to me yeah me too um so that is the fiend pact next we have the arch fey and this one i find almost creepier than the the deal with the devil one because this is you making deals with fey rulers um, such as the Prince of Frost, the Queen of Air and Darkness, the Green Lord, the Prince of Fools, and even it mentions ancient hags. Oh, so yes. If, if you think of like folklore about elves in the forest, and you think about the mischief and treachery and shenanigans they pull, and not yes. and not the fun shenanigans, right? This no, is like wiping double. your mind out and making you their slave. <laughs> this fun. Is, this is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone thinks of the plain... The Fey plane as like magical and flowery and fun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there is a dark area there. Well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like chaotic, right? It's yes. like pure chaos and mischief and danger. Yeah. Because they have sprites and pixies and all that. Yeah, I always right. think of like glowing plants and like almost like radioactive, uh, mutated stuff. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I think of when I think of Fey. Or think of Pan's Labyrinth when she goes to that, yes. the dinner scene with the uh-huh. um, the creature with the eyes on his hands. Like uh-huh. it's it looks pleasant and cute until um, somebody's bitten in half, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, this will give you access to certain spells that are. Um, uh, well, I'll just read you the spells. You can you can pick your own word to describe them: calm <laughs> emotions, plant growth, dominate beast, greater invisibility, dominate person, and seeming a hmm. lesser known spell. That makes you seem like you're different than you are, but you're not actually. Huh. I re- yeah. It's so it's it's a lot of this is very mental mm-hmm. and like trickstery, illusory. Yeah, like yes. Right. So, um, in addition to your certain spells, now you have Fey Presence, which lets you project a fearsome presence and and fear everyone nearby. We've seen this uh, even in Lord of the Rings when Galadriel um, just suddenly takes on a fearsome appearance and freaks the hell out of Frodo. Um, uh-huh. And and I th- I can't point to any specific examples of that happening in fairy tales, but it seems like there's always this very scary like king of the woods, yes, who's fearsome in his mm-hmm. appearance. You have misty escape, which just lets you turn invisible and get away. 
Easy peasy. Um, I like oh, it. And then uh, Beguiling Defenses. So you are now immune to charm effects. And when somebody tries to charm you, you now try to charm them. Oh, that's really good. This is a classic I am rubber, you are glue scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then uh, at level 14, the final unlock is Dark Delirium. So this is kind of psychologically scary to me, personally. Mm -hmm. It says you lock a creature into an illusory realm and they cannot get out until you let them. Mm-hmm. So I could oh. just go up to the king of Waterdeep, well, one of the masked lords, and I say, I make him do the wisdom saving throw. And he is uh, charmed or frightened or by by me. Oh, okay, so it's only for one minute. So I would just lock them in some kind of hellscape. Mm-hmm. Like I could just make them think that they're falling through a hole for a minute. Oh, God, yeah. And then, uh, and then it stops. And then I say, "Are you ready to talk now?" <laughs> or yeah. you could do the opposite, and you can make them think that they're in like Wonderland. Yeah, I could give them like oh. some glimpse into heaven, right? Yeah, I can show you pleasures beyond your imagining. And I could, I can make the villain do that to the players. Like, what's oh to my stop gosh! Me from that? Yeah, yeah, that is really good. Dark delirium. Ooh, so that is the Archfey Pact. Oh. All right, next we have the Great Old One. This is the, uh, I think this is the final pact that was in the player's handbook. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite patron. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Same. So this, the power from beyond, the individuals you're making pact pacts with are, um, they, they say, that which lurks. There's no other name other than that. Dendar, the Night Serpent. And of course, Cthulhu itself. Yeah, th- this, whole, uh, this whole patron is just very Lovecraftian flavored. Yes. And so even though I personally am pretty over Cthulhu stuff, I do appreciate like that dark mystery of like oh, something beyond yeah. uh, Cthulhu the weird, specifically. Like, I'm just I Wait, why are you, why are you done with Cthulhu? I I love Lovecraftian stuff. I so I like Lovecraftian stuff, but I think Cthulhu is just played out in pop culture in by and large. Um uh, so that's just my personal preference. But it, you know, it's be a good movie. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be making uh, the Barrier Peaks or whatever. The Mountains of Madness. Oh, the Mount, yeah. Um, they've been trying to make that for years. I think that's a Guillermo del Toro film. Ooh. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. The, yeah, this this class is really cool because it, it, it kind of gives that otherworldly vibe, kind of like the Illithids and other yes. weird creatures in 5e, um, almost like a Spelljammer type yeah yeah it, it's Subclass. Um, a lot of these and you'll see with the next ones too um reach into the other planes of D, which you might not necessarily have access to or ever get to experience but this lets you have it at level one like at mm-hmm. level one i am talking to dendar the night serpent who is yeah. the, um i believe he's the the creature dot the god whatever you call him of the yuan t yeah so um from what i understand actually about the um uh the otherworldly patrons is if you read into it it's it says that they're it's more of like you studying them and it's not them interacting with you as much it's more of you like learning powers about oh. them and it's it's a less less personal it's less personal so you're That's like cool. discovering these cthulian myths in your world and you're like trying to interact with them but they're like more um indifferent towards you Okay, that's really fun. And then you could have your warlock be pursuing knowledge through the campaign. And you're like, okay, we have to stop in the libraries in Waterdeep because I need to learn more about um, Zargon the Returner. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's what um one of the warlocks in my campaign, yeah, he was a great old one patron pact of the tome. And so yeah, he was just like searching for knowledge. Um and and yeah, I I really liked it. I still role played as the the strange um I actually had him show up sometimes. Um and he was dressed in like weird Victorian clothing and like wearing like a bowler cap. Um and would just come up and like say very obscure, strange Lovecraftian things and then just like disappear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I um I really like um this this is the one I had the most experience like role playing as and like interacting. Um and I think I had them speak, I think deep speech. It's like one of the rarest languages in mm-hmm. in uh in 5e. Um and and yeah, I oh I love the flavor of this one. Oh. Um and this reminded me a little bit of a book I read that I, I definitely recommend called Signal to Noise. It's a sci-fi book, um, but it involves a individual from Earth making first contact with an alien species who presents, or it presents itself as a guy in a business suit. And it just makes trades with him all the time. Um, and you uh. learn toward the end of the book uh, that it has really screwed him and basically led to the destruction of mankind. Um, oh. Yeah, it gives him a device that lets him teleport. And this is just like sci-fi, right? Um, but whenever, he, he doesn't know what is powering this device, but toward the end of the book, you realize that it is taking the rotational energy of the earth to power the device. And so he's slowing down the earth every time and causing oh. cataclysms, basically, like all over. And oh. eventually the earth uh, kind of rips itself apart because of his um, this device. So definitely interesting to have um, people that don't have your best interests even close to their heart. Yes, yeah. yes. And in fact, are pursuing actively screwing you. But that could work just as well for most of these. Yeah. With the Fiends yeah. and the Archfey. Mm-hmm. So you will gain access to certain spells such as Detect Thoughts, Clairvoyance, Dominate Beast. One called Evard's Black Tentacles because you can't have yes. Cthulhu without tentacles. Yep. Which I believe um, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the fears that Lovecraft presented were just kind of based on our fears of the ocean and like how strange and alien things are that live on the ocean floor. Like squids and octopi, octopodes. All right, so you gain access <laughs> to Awakened Mind. This one's great because it lets you telepathically speak with any, let me repeat that, any creature in 30 feet, yeah. even, even if you don't share a language. That's just, that's so powerful for yes, a level is. one ability. Yes. Level one. <laughs> you don't get tele, like telepathy to like, I think it's a second level spell. Yeah. Which is like talk to like a little spider or something. Like, exactly. Like, oh, super cool. But what would a spider really have to say other than I must hide, I must Hey, eat. get out of here, kid. <laughs> All spiders are also from Brooklyn in this one. I feel like Brooklyn is replacing the British accent as our go-to <laughs> foreign sounding. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's not even foreign. Okay. Um, let's. So that was Awakened Mind. Next is the Entropic, Entropic Ward. Um, all this means is that when you're attacked, you can impose disadvantage on the attacker. And then you now have advantage against them when you attack them. Very nice. So uh, mm-hmm. it's close to a I am rubber, you are glue, but not as strong. <laughs> Uh, You have Thought Shield. Your mind can no longer be read by others, and you're resistant to psychic damage. And if a creature creature tries to deal damage to you, they will take that same amount of psychic damage. Oh, yeah, I really like that. The flavor of that, too. Like the the mind spike reaction. My mind is strong. 
And then you have my second favorite ability in a close second, Create Thrall, mm-hmm. which allows you to infect another humanoid with uh, the ma- magic bestowed upon you by your patron. And they are now essentially your servant permanently until you dispel it. <laughs> That's oh, really man. quite scary. Like, imagine just going up to the king and being like, you're my servant now. What's the range on this? It's t- the touch touch range. So you so, walk through the crowd. Everybody's like praising this prophet, right? Yeah. And you just brush against him. And now he's yours. Yeah. He's forever. Oh, until you die man. or you d- decide so to So how do they it. act once they're... Are they're they like, act as if they're charmed. It's charmed. Okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. They, yeah, you have to have remove curse cast upon you in order to remove that. <laughs> man. Oh, man. And there's no save or anything. Nope. You just, I, oh, I want you wow. as a slave. Yeah. So you can really just say, you are now my slave. And that's it. Oh. I feel like this could work even really well in combat, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone's like about to shoot a ballista at your tower and you can kind of just, oh, you got to touch them though. Yeah. yeah. But then I think, can Mage Hand transmit spells? Or is that a feature oh. from somewhere else? But maybe if you had a Pact of the chain a familiar you can cast a familiar, familiar you might be able to cast it <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know that, it depends oh, upon yeah. your gm yeah i gotta i gotta read that text and then uh, make the call but that's really fun no i love the idea of like kind of a semi squishy warlock just sprinting through combat just to try to touch like the head hobgoblin just so they'll switch sides or you know like be your thrall That'd yeah you cool. just touch the goblin king and then he surrenders and all the other goblins surrender yeah yeah. And then you kill them all. Now you're in charge of all of the goblins. And you have a oh. goblin army. <laughs> and then the campaign took a drastic turn. Mm, that's so fun. But you gotta be level 14. So if you're fighting goblins at 14, you wouldn't even bother using it on the goblin king. You eat goblins for I... lunch. <laughs> for lunch. I think also goblins eat goblins for lunch. I would reckon, yeah. <laughs> Next is the Hexblade. Yes. So your patron is a mysterious entity from the Shadowfell. Um, specifically, it is a magical item created by a person from the Shadowfell. Such, uh, they give the example as Black Razor, a notoriously powerful uh, item. Yeah. So, D- David, fill me in a little bit on Hexblade. So, the Hexblade is the Hexblade can be best described as someone who is more um, focused on melee combat. So, it's it takes the warlock and it turns them almost into a paladin it's the closest thing that you can get to like an evil paladin Hmm. that from what i can see so you're serving this uh evil uh magic weapon or maybe it's good but probably yeah i don't think it has to be evil it doesn't have to be evil Mm -hmm. and what about mason the mace (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and it it allows you to just have better combat ability with weapons which normally, as a caster, you wouldn't have. Hmm. So mm-hmm. it it just kind of amplifies you, like your um, you being able to wield weapons. Hmm. Yeah, it's with more charisma instead of um, like a strength caster instead of strength. Or yeah, depth, that is which that is, is crazy. The huge one is the hex warrior. So you get proficiency with medium armor, shields, martial weapons, and you get to use your charisma modifier <laughs> as your as your Here. attack modifier. That's oh. so good. Yeah. And yeah, that's it, at level one, by the way. Yep. Yeah. what It's like such a good one level dip. And then yeah. you also get Hexblade's Curse, which allows you to curse a target 
um, at you know, it's it's this, it's about the same thing as hex, but you get a boost to your damage rolls mm-hmm. equal to your proficiency bonus. Your, Any your attack roll you critical. make is a crit on a nineteen or twenty. And if the target dies, you regain hit points equal to your warlock level plus your charisma modifier. Yeah, mm. but it's usable only once per short rest. But I mean, who cares? Which I mean, it, generally you're only going to be using, you're going to be short resting in between every single combat, anyways. Well, not if I have my say. <laughs> generally, um, this is why we have random encounter checks, guys. <laughs> so is is the hexblade? Um, is, is your patron? some mysterious entity that gives you a weapon or is it um the weapon itself is it intentionally vague about that so it could be the hexblade is the weapon itself generally yeah the patron is the weapon okay that yeah because that could be really interesting it's generally some sort of super powerful sentient weapon Mm -hmm. it does say it's a force that manifests in sentient magic weapons carved from the stuff of shadow so I guess huh. you could have a patron that uh, lives in the Shadowfell somewhere, somewhere, and you don't know who it is necessarily. But this is a conduit for their voice, yeah. Uh, kind of like like Frostmourne from Warcraft. Oh yeah, okay. I like the Lich it. King himself. Yep. Yeah. You don't you know not of the powers there must with which you play a Lich King? <laughs> it's so good, man. Warcraft guys, it's so good. Wow. So um, next time on the Warcraft podcast, we're going to talk about... Oof. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, guys. Oof. Oof. I must have been hexed from the uh, this cursed microphone I'm carrying. Okay. So it was a hex warrior and the Hexblade's curse. Next, you get the Accursed Spectre. Accursed Spectre, um, whenever you slay a humanoid, you can bind its soul to your service. It'll obey your commands and can attack. Uh, this, uh, Are they normally- undead? Uh, I believe no. They rise as a specter, which is a yeah, it's undead. It's okay. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. But it's so, like but it's a, not it's like, like a ghost. tangible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty nice. And it lasts uh, it lasts until a long rest. Yep, yep. So that's... so it's like a, you suck their soul out and then you, you enslave it, and then you you have them fight for you for until oh, a long rest, which is for like the whole day, the whole day, which is cool. Yep. Uh, next, you get the armor of hexes. When you're hit by the target of your curse, remember the uh, hexblade's curse, you will roll a d6, and they have a 50% chance of missing. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice. It's like a last resort. Because I mean, you really shouldn't be getting hit. Hopefully, um, but if you are, then you can impose a further. Wait, damage. I'm confused by that. So you roll a d6. So when you use your hex, your mm-hmm. um, the the hex from your class ability. That you get from the hexblade, uh-huh. you curse them, and then whenever that target tries to attack you, you and when roll, it does hit you, yeah, whenever it hits you with an attack roll, you roll a d6, and on a four or higher, the attack misses. So you you like curse the target that you're okay. fighting. So, so and then it's they, like flipping yes. a coin with a d6. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, interesting. Okay, you can also do it with a d4 or really any die with an even number of sides, or a yes. coin, <laughs> or just which is tell known people. as a d2. That is so obnoxious. <laughs> Actually, it has three sides, but um, okay. technically it's a D3. Shut uh, him down. <laughs> How would you make a, an object with only two sides? It would be like a convex coin. You Wait, can't because we live in a three-dimensional world. Yeah, you can't make anything 2D ever. Whoa. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then at level 14, um, whenever... 
you can, it says you can spread your Hexblade's curse from a slain creature to another creature. So if, if something dies, um, it just sort of jumps to a nearby target, and then they are hexed. So it's a great way to get some more mileage out of your curses yeah. instead of having to do these rusts. Yeah. Man, Hexblade is such a good such a good dip for like any class that wants to you know, use charisma as a melee modifier. Like, oh, it's so good. Okay, and then next uh, is the Celestial. This one is so different from the rest of the, of the Warlocks because it says your patron is a powerful being of the Upper Plains. For those who don't know, the Upper Plains are sort of like D&D Heaven or something very Heaven-like. Mm -hmm. uh, so your patron is essentially a heavenly creature. They, they give examples of creatures that I don't know what they are, such as an Empyrean, Solar, a Kyrin, or a They're Unicorn. They're like angels, yeah. Yeah, essentially angels. The Holy Ones. The Holy Ones. Um, so yes, and I suppose that the player can make up any particular creature that they want to worship. Um, I, I do wonder, is Mechanus an upper plane or is it an outer plane? Uh, it could be either, depending on what you want. Because I would just to love be. to see um, like a me mechanical, like perfect order and law of oh, God. Yeah. And Definitely. then like everything they do is to make you restore order to the world. Yes. Yeah. Wait, do you want that as a separate patron or as this patron? Um, it would be a separate patron, I think. Because that would be cool. Yeah. Mechanical. What if you had to be a Warforged? It was Warforged exclusive. Oh. What if you could Ooh. be a Modron in disguise? <laughs> oh my god, Modrons. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, you gain access to certain heavenly spells, such as Cure Wounds, Lesser Restoration, Daylight, Revivify, Guardian of Faith, Flame Strike, Greater Restoration. It's all very light and fire and radiant and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, healing light lets you heal others. You get a little dice pool magic and you get to uh, make the cleric regret their life decisions. You get Radiant Soul at level 6 that uh, just lets you resist radiant damage and now you deal extra damage with radiant and fire. Which is pretty cool. It's like you are the unburnt and yet the you unburnt. cause burning. <laughs> Celestial Resistance uh, gives you temporary uh, HP when you finish a rest of any kind. And now you can give up to five creatures that you can see temporary health as well. So How just, much? Um, the equation is temporary hit points. It's your warlock level plus charisma modifier. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's solid. That's a good buff. And then the, the when you buff others, it's half your warlock level plus charisma. So okay. they'll get a little less. But it's, it's still nice. Yeah. And then um, the last one they get is Searing Vengeance. It lets you resist death. So now whenever you're making a, sa a death saving throw... You'll just decide to stand to your feet, gain half your max health, and blast a bunch of radiant magic at, at the enemies. What? Is that once a day? Uh, that once one a day. is a long rest, yes. Yeah. Dang. That's really good. Yeah. So that is the Celestial Pact. And then uh, I think this is the final one, is the Undying. This is, uh, this is not... This is UA, right? Uh, it must be. It, uh, it doesn't... Well, it doesn't say it's Unearthed Art Arcana. Is oh, this, so it must be in one of the new books. It might be. I've never in, seen this one. This might be from uh, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Okay. I'm just not sure. It doesn't say exactly where it's from. Um, all this means is that it says, Death holds no sway over your patron who has unlocked the secrets of everlasting life. Though that price, the prize has come with a price. Huh. Okay, so the types of beings you worship are Vecna, the Oof. Eye, uh, the Lich Queen, uh, Vlakith the Lich Queen. Wait, there's two different Lich Queens here. 
Anyway, and the Deathless Wizard, Fistantilus. Fistantilus. I, don't, easy, I interact with them all the time. It's as easy to say as it is to get along with them. All right. <laughs> all right. So this gives you access to some uh, necromancy type spells such as Ray of Sickness, Blindness, Deafness, Contagion, which just recently got nerfed, and Speak with Dead. Um, their first level ability is called Among the Dead. It, uh, it means whenever the undead of any kind try to attack you, they have to make a saving throw. And if they fail, they have to target somebody else. So you're just like, I am one mm. of you. Yeah. Attack me not, brethren. <laughs> All right. Uh, defy death. It says gain health when you succeed on a death saving throw or when you stabilize another creature with spare the dying. So it's very hard for you to die from death saving throws unless yeah. you are like, on the ground a lot because it's a long rest recharge. Um, but that's really nice because normally you would have to roll three successes or roll a 20 to heal one health. But this lets you just heal 1d8 plus constitution and you're on your feet. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, next you get Undying Nature. It lets you hold your breath forever. Oh, you and, just don't breathe? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. And you no longer need to eat, drink, or sleep. Whoa. However, there's a strange caveat to that. It says um, you still are required to rest to reduce exhaustion and still benefit from finishing short and long rests to redeem okay. the features. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. But, but you that, just that spend is that really awake. cool. That is like, this is like a marathoner almost, like a, a dungeon delver that requires none of that stuff. Imagine camping on the edge of a small lake and the person on watch just sits under the water, under the surface. So it looks oh like there's no one there. Gosh. And they just watch. That's really cool. Yeah. Creepy. There's some cool and finally, uh, at level 14, you gain indestructible life. It says you can use a bonus action to regain health. And if you put a severed body part back in place when you use this feature, it reattaches. Oh, okay. So this this raises an interesting question about <laughs> healing magic, right? Yes. Which I was going to say this. I don't think they outline this very well um, because healing magic is like, yeah, it's healing. It just heals everything to, to the max. Um, but like I've seen a lot of dungeon masters do it. Like if you break your leg, healing magic isn't going to heal it. Healing magic just like basically fasts forward time of like the healing process. So like if you break your leg, you still have to set it before mm-hmm. healing it. So you have to do a medicine check. And I think that that makes the medicine skill more applicable when you realize and you have to useful. still set yeah, you have to set bones and stuff because most of the time people are like why why the hell would I ever get medicine when we have a cleric in the party? Yeah. Um so so I I really like that this kind of shows um that no, if your hand gets cut off, your hand is gone. Like it'll take some different magic than just like a healing word to get you that sucker back words. on. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if someone gouges your eye out, yours. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. That's a really good point, Jake. Because I think if you think of it as accelerating healing and not just like magically removing everything that was wrong, yeah, um, then it changes it. Because like like David's saying, if you get an eye poked out, an eye will not regrow. Yeah, and you can't just stick it back in your head and hope for the best. <laughs> you can, you can but certainly so, <laughs> try. You could try, um, but then I think this is the second class feature we've seen where it specifically mentions reattaching limbs. We saw one, I believe, in the cleric uh, yes. subclass. Yeah, um, which yeah makes me think that yep. by default it doesn't work that way. Yep. Yeah. So if you get your arm cut off, you better 
keep it on ice because yeah. uh, and, it's going to need to be reattached. <laughs> I, I really like that because a lot of times we think of how can we possibly challenge players at high levels, you know, when it, it, it's always like they have these huge mountains of, of health points um, that are just going down and they're getting healed back up. Um, and it's just kind of this like give and take that you seem like you're not really hurting them or wearing them down. Mm-hmm. But if you have a villain that just like maybe uh, breaks their their leg you know, or, um, mm. you know, uh, breaks their collarbone or cuts off a foot. Something cuts like out that. their tongue. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, imagine it, being a spellcaster and your tongue gets oh, cut out. Yeah. You're limited like, by your spells that you can there cast There are now. ways huh. to damage a party where they they will have to go find a specialist, right? Like in order to, to help them. Um, so, so there are ways to damage players beyond just kind of like smacking them on the head <gasps> and then having them the cleric heal them back up to full every time you know wow um so i I, if you had your tongue cut off let me just change it for a little bit (laughs) immediately i thought well then you would have to cast magic mouth on your mouth to be able to cast spells (laughs) however magic mouth also has a verbal component. <laughs> oh no. So you need let's let's no, we could filter the spells by all of the verbal spells. No, I, no, no. I wanted to bring up David's encode he... thoughts. And so another wizard puts magic mouth on their mouth. Filter spells. And then encodes the thoughts so the other <laughs> wizard has to has to speak through your mouth. So this is all of them. So we need to make it so it Scroll down. Yeah, this is all of them because you see it says these are all the ones with verbal any verbal components. Oh, okay. So you can't cast Animate Dead. You can't cast Arcane Hand, hmm. Arcane Eye, Alter Self, Animal Friendship. There's Most the, of the list spells. goes on. Most of the spells in D and D require a verbal component. I'm definitely um, gonna cut off somebody's tongue in the next one. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yes, the spellcaster's tongue. Huh. So um. One thing I wanted to say about the subclasses um, before we move on is the last two, so the Celestial and the Undying, just seem like a reflavored, like, okay, this is the good Radiant one, and this is the bad Necromancer one. Hmm. Um, and I've seen that as a, in a lot of classes, right? Like, the newer subclasses they come out with, it's like, oh, this is the the Sunshine uh, Radiant <laughs> Cleric, and this one is the uh, the, the bad version. Um I'm really excited to see some more subclasses that are more creative. Um, one that uh, I saw Mike Merle's create on Mike Merle's Happy Fun Hour uh, is another subclass for the Warlock called the Pact, uh, or the Patron is the Kraken, oh. um, and it's 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 a really fun flavor, and I'm excited for it to be official um, because you know it's all water themed and it's much more creative um, instead of it being just kind of like a light or dark flavored patron. Yeah. Um, I really like the idea of, you know, having a Kraken as your patron. Like, <laughs> oh, it's it really, really, really interesting. Yeah, very specific flavor there, but also really fun. Yeah. Like, what if you have a, a patron that's just like the idea of space, right? Like planetary void movement and patron. vacuums. Oh, and, the void. Right, like you just take some idea, or, or the idea of cooking, right? Like maybe you have some... Cooking patron? Like a cooking type patron. Just really unusual ideas that you then just apply to all your moves. You're like, oh, well, maybe you have stuff that like. (laughs) Yeah, I I think especially if um, someone is going for like a a one level dip in Warlock, you can really get creative about the patron because they don't really have to be some crazy 
god of the universe like they could be like some obscure demigod who's like <laughs> the the goddess of the hunt you know or, or the, a patron the, of beasts so it's just like an animal yeah like or animal. or like the the god of gambling or something or what about um, yourself in the future oh that, okay that that's cool <laughs> oh would you role play it yourself too giving advice to yourself well it would be yourself treating your younger self like being constantly frustrated by the idiot decisions you make oh my oh. god and so i think they'd be oh. much less kind and patient than you so would think funny. it's like the movie looper like yes maybe, yeah Th- that could be insane that would take a very special player <laughs> um oh man that's chris awesome. Connolly, if you're out there <laughs> oh. yeah calling chris calling chris patron oh man um all right, so that, those are the subclasses. So then, guys, who should play a warlock? What kind of player would be perfect for the warlock class? Well, when I first started this class series, I was thinking that warlock was a little bit simpler to play than a wizard and a sorcerer. But after reading this, I think you actually need to understand a lot about 5e to be able to make sense of this. Certainly when I was reading the player's handbook for the first time, uh, what, four years ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, I totally missed the way their spell slots work and the way their um, their moves work. And so definitely it's a little more detail-oriented. Um, it's also a little more creepy, as you mentioned, Jake. Like the, the occult and the witchcraft angle is, is a lot more realistic here, if, if realistic is the right word. Um, uh-huh. And it could intimidate or frighten some players or the parents of some players. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say this class is for probably a more advanced, knowledgeable player. Probably not a first timer, and yep. for somebody who um, is not easily um, frightened by thematic elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is great for anybody who's a veteran of Five E who likes the game mechanically or likes the game roleplay wise, because it offers so much in terms of mechanics and roleplay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I'll defend the Warlock's simplicity because you guys are talking about you have to have a, a vast knowledge of Five E to play it i would disagree i feel like the warlock is designed with all the evocations and the packs and the patrons in a way that you really can pick any of them like you could almost put it on randomization and get a random patron with a random pact um and random evocations and it it still works as a class i think it's that well designed Hmm. the first class i ever played in 5e back when we what was it 20 13 or 2014 when you first got the player's handbook and we started playing my first character uh or one of the first ones was that he was a warlock um you remember he was that german inquisitor <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and um and yeah i looking back i, I made completely suboptimal choices um but just because my character wasn't fully optimized i still had so much fun and i don't think it affected combat that much especially at lower levels um so yeah, I, I would say it isn't it isn't too scary because the choices are so well balanced that you might not be optimized, but you'll still feel effective no matter what pact or patron or evocation you choose. Yeah, it's not like there's any big like this is obviously weaker the than bad that. End. Yeah. 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 It seems pretty balanced and it put together really well. I I wonder, like, I feel like between the quality of this and then something like the Ranger, um, like what happened? Was it a different design team? Was it just not reviewed? Like, because um, I mean, anyone who's who's listened to our show knows how we feel about the ranger just being like. Not, I don't want to say it's bad or broken, which it 
kind of is. But it's, it's just, just a little just, suboptimal. It's questionably suboptimal in a way no, the other classes are just not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, um, I would say that um, in defense of the ranger, it was... So if you look at like what the warlock deals with in terms of the pillars of D&D, it deals with the game and the roleplay pillars very well. Yes. Whereas the ranger, it deals with the exploration pillar very well and the game pillar less so um, and roleplay pillar less so. But it, it puts a lot more emphasis on exploration, but it kind of breaks the game because exploration doesn't really exist in um well it's hard it's hard it's it's harder to do as well as it kind of does it too well yeah it it solves a problem that most players aren't or most dms aren't even presenting yeah 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 um but i I would say for playing the warlock i think it, it would takes a player that likes having obligations to the dungeon master that likes you know working behind the scenes that likes um, kind of being in a, in predicaments. Um, so I would say it takes a, a pretty decent role player, I would say, in my games, because I'm going to be involved. Hell, I'm involved whether you're a cleric or a paladin. Like, the god and the religion is going to be interacting with you. Um, and you're going to have to make some choices. Um, and, and so... I would say it would be this class is perfect for people that want to have obligations to the DM that want to be kind of in a bad in a raw deal, because um, because I know a lot of players, especially min maxers, they don't want the DM breathing down their neck like being like a little devil on their shoulder. They just want to be like a solid fighter or a solid sorcerer and do the most damage they can, and they don't want to have to deal with like some some tough choices that um, the patron may present them with. Um, so I would say someone who is willing to kind of um, take a leap of faith uh, and have some tough stuff presented to them by the dungeon master and have that dungeon master player relationship that's so fun, I think. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. So what are some character concepts that you guys have for a warlock patron? Ooh, well, we've talked about Santa Claus and we've talked about um, <laughs> cooking Cooking Mama, the patron. Um. <laughs> okay, so a one I've really been wanting to do for a while um, is I love the idea of the hex blade, um, but making the hex blade something different. Um, I love the idea of uh, like a sentient shield. So your hex blade is actually a hex shield um, that is like a sentient shield. Um, that almost maybe has a face on the back of the shield that's always barking orders at you or something. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like that idea. I also like the idea of um, maybe your patron being someone from the future or from like mechanists, like some clockwork god um, that presents you in like a standard medieval fantasy, just like gives you a revolver. And like that's their like bestowal, that is their... Um, their packed weapon that they they present to you. Um, and so it's like, it's something that you're familiar with. Like, it's like, okay, I know how a, a revolver gun works. Um, but like how like the medieval world would react to that, or they wouldn't even know what it is until it went off. And then they'd probably think you were some sort of magician or it was some sort of spell being shot out of this. They'd probably think it's a weird, like a weird wand with a handle on it, you know? <laughs> um, but I like the idea of like hex blade, but it being something unique, like a shield or a, 
like a gun, something like that would be really cool. I think <laughs> I have a good one. Um, so this is based a little bit on um, the tomb of the nine gods and how you get mm. inhabited by these very different playful trickster gods. Yes. Um, I would have a patron who is just some ancient God of sports, like some specific <laughs> sport. So he's like a soccer hooligan crossed with like a football jock. And so all of his abilities, he gives you a cue into like uh, athletics and acrobatics and like just performing physically like, demanding <laughs> things all the time um, and like competing very, very um, strongly. And so maybe you'd have a feature where like you need to get the killing blow in a combat. So you're like, you're really determined just to kind of compete in these ways that nobody else is competing. Um, <laughs> uh, you have to wear certain clothes that like it's like a uniform right but it's not it's just the same type of thing every day oh uh, man i think there's a lot of creative space to have a sports master patron sports master i, I like patron. it um almost as like a a bard uh warlock multi-class but it's like your your patron is like the goddess of dance <laughs> and so like everything is kind of themed and like uh, a constant fluid movement uh, and like everything has to be like aesthetically right and stuff. <laughs> that could be funny. So for my patron, I wanna I wanna see a nature patron. Hmm. So you are serving like the god of a forest, like or, a treant, like or a treant. This is like a yeah. druid warlock kind of, or like a druid warlock kind of yeah. deal yeah. where maybe you don't turn into a beast, but maybe you can summon beasts to help you fight. Um, or you you just get magical um, powers that are very like nature themed, where you are um, like using controlling plants to like 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 um, hold people and like I don't know something along those lines, but something with a more naturey aesthetic. Yeah, Maybe you get some sort of enhanced pet or oh, yeah. um, familiar, where it's uh, it's kind of like the ranger's pet, but it's more. Uh, like nature yeah that's cool and it would be less aggressive and more about like you said controlling yep um and like just sh shutting down the battlefield instead yes. of just destroying everyone's minds yes that's cool yeah that is cool like that a lot right and that is our character concepts let's move into random table talk jake i think we have a good idea for um about how patrons work so how about we build one with random tables? yes build a yes, patron yes, yes. All right. All right, this is the Warlock Contract Generator, uh, taken from Reddit, posted by a user named Darius Cosmos a year ago. All right, so um, we're going to roll a bunch of dice. So Jake, get your dice ready. Um, first, we got to determine if our patron is Archfey Fiend uh, a gr or a Great One. So which we have to choose this. Okay. I like a Great Old One. I think we really like those. I like that or a fiend. Okay, let's do great old one because the table's longer. Okay. okay. D20. Oh, a D20. Okay, look, got it. <laughs> that is that is a 14. A 14 is the DM is your patron. The actual Wait, dungeon master. What? The dungeon master <laughs> is your patron. What? <laughs> if you were to roll a 15, then Matt Colville would be your patron. <laughs> this table definitely took a turn what I was expecting. It's, it starts out normal. It's so meta. And it goes... Oh, I'm glad oh. we got the DM. Yeah, okay. so the DM is... Uh, the, we we, we got to do it again. <laughs> what do you... Okay, so that is a 10. 10 gives us Bolo Thamog, him who watches from beyond the stars. Oh, that's really cool. Bolothamog. Bolothamog. 
Okay. Next is in return, your patron wants you to blank. Roll a d8. That is a one. Follow his petty demands for small errands at any time. Oh, man. Hmm. Oh, that is so interesting. Just, so just kind of like having a bossy older sibling. Yeah, yeah. Great. Thanks, Balathamog. Next is the contract's duration is a period of d8. Eight. Oh, no. One class level. That's not oh, bad. Oh, that's really that's interesting. Bad at all. So it's like a short term. Oh, man. I like the idea that this person made a deal with maybe some guy around a poker table or like something where it's like didn't seem that much. But then he realizes like he made a deal with like an extra planer horrifying <laughs> thing. Um, so he's like really nervous and basically has to be like the production assistant for this, oh, what a this pain. huge great old one for one level. <laughs> and, and so it's a short term, but it's incredibly intense. Oh, That's yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. After the period is over, the terms of renewal are blank. Roll a d6. Okay. Uh, that would be a two. The patron checks in to see if you have met his deadlines for your past work. <laughs> this is... I'm feeling very micromanaged by this patron. Oh, already. yeah. This is... Oh. All right. If the contract is not renewed, then blank. D6. Okay. That is a five. If the contract is not renewed, the patron sends servants to capture the warlock and bring him to the patron's lair for a meeting. Oh. So now so we just went it from would be a... like going to outer space. Like that would be scary as hell. It's like an alien invasion just to get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is um it just escalated so so much. Oh, All right, and weird. A, another D six. If the terms of the contract are broken, blank. Five. The patron hatches a plan to destroy the world the warlock is native to. Oh my gosh, wow. that fits is an so invasion. much. <laughs> oh man. Oh. All right, uh, if the warlock dies while in service of this contract, blank. D6. Mm-hmm. Four. Four says the patron must return the soul uh, to a person of the warlock's choosing. What? So you have to return your soul to someone oh, that you choose. Oh, so that's weird. Hmm. Oh, man, how would that work? So you could, like, maybe almost, like, inhabit one of the other player characters' heads. Oh, like, or, like, you could be a devil on their shoulder kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, so, actually, on the same one, if you die, number six says, the warlock wakes up again alive. When the contract ends, however, the warlock is killed and cannot be resurrected. Oh. That's great. Oh, man. So, you get one more chance to live a life. Yeah. Yeah. Very Matrix. All right. The final one is, if the patron dies while the contract is in effect, D6. Six. The warlock's fate is tied with his patron, and they die too. Oh, so it like... Oh, oh that's great. Oh, so Balathamog. he has to keep the, keep the god alive, essentially. So Balathamog is very demanding and very powerful, and obviously in control of a large amount of forces who can destroy the world. However, if the warlock dies, then they die too. And that's why the warlock is able to... Um, or not able to come back to life. Oh, that right? is... Yeah, well, that, yeah, so there's this weird tension. Like, they're trying to keep them alive. And they, yeah, it, it is very weirdly micromanaged. It feels almost like a, um, what's that C.S. Lewis uh, book about the... Um, screw tape? Yeah, it's like kind of like screw tape letters, um, as in like like the void or like the Cthulian Lovecraftian universe is like somehow really bureaucratic. <laughs> like, I really like that. Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode 34. I'm William. I'm Jake.
And I'm David. We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media. For Twitter memes and deep thoughts, follow us at Vox Arcanapod. For Facebook articles and gaming news, follow us at Vox Arcana Podcast. And our Instagram is where we post amazing fantasy art and some behind-the-scenes material, which is at Vox Arcana Podcast. Email your questions and feedback to Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to be our D&D patron in real life, then you can donate to us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes.